Eric Estep here. One of my favorite parts of being a NASCAR fan is collecting diecasts. It's how I got my start on YouTube, actually. To me, a room is not complete until it features shelves of NASCAR diecast cars. It's as good a time as ever to continue your collection or begin an all-new one by pre-ordering your favorite driver's 2022 next-gen diecast at LionelRacing.com or at any authorized Lionel retailer. Lionel is the official diecast of NASCAR, and don't miss Lionel Racing's NASCAR Authentics diecasts at a Walmart or Target near you. Not only is Lionel the official diecast of NASCAR, but they're also official supporters of the Out of the Groove Podcast Network. So what are you waiting for? Head to LionelRacing.com to order your favorite driver's 2022 diecast. This is Authenticated. The Diecast Collectors Podcast from Lionel Racing. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Authenticated, the Diecast Collectors Podcast from Lionel Racing. I am Matt Kenfield, guiding you through yet another episode. This is number six in our repertoire so far, and uh, obviously you're listening to us now, so you found our show. Uh, we had our hard, hard launch of Authenticated just about a week and a half ago now by the time you're listening to this, and uh, the response has been amazing. We truly appreciate the Out of the Groove Podcast Network for helping us get this project and this party started, and uh, we've got a lot of cool things coming for you today, some things that we've never done on Authenticated before we will be bringing to you in just a little bit uh, but i want to introduce my two co-hosts for today's show alex pullman we're going to start with you and uh, another episode we've taken a few days off you know it's been a while since we were back in the podcast room but uh, i know you've been chomping at the bit to go talk about race cars again absolutely you know i can talk about race cars all day long all day every day as a matter of fact i you do I, like, I do. I like really you, do. I get paid to talk about race cars all day. You literally get a paycheck to make race cars and talk about them and make race car noises. And I wouldn't have it any other way. <laughs> That's right. And Michelle Fannin also joining us on Authenticated today. And uh, uh, you've, heard, you've heard and seen a lot of this uh, positive feedback that we've seen. I know you check the analytics and all that stuff. And, uh, you know, for only kind of throwing this together and doing a few episodes, uh, this thing's really taken off a little bit, isn't it? Yeah, I don't want to say I'm surprised because that would seem like we set the bar too low. <laughs> but I'm pleasantly... Encouraged. Encouraged. Thank you. I had to get my <laughs> mental thesaurus out and it was taking me a minute. But yeah, I'm encouraged and I'm pretty excited and I'm glad that we're back in the podcast room. Boy, do we have a lot to talk about today. Yeah, yeah. perhaps you uh, y- you turned on the TV this past weekend, maybe saw a couple of uh, really interesting finishes in the NASCAR Cup Series, the NASCAR Xfinity Series, and the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series. We will talk about all of that stuff and a lot more. We will also talk to NASCAR, uh, next, excuse me, NASCAR Cup Series regular Chris Busher, who had a great run at Talladega as well. We will talk to him for the first driver interview in the history of Authenticated. And we're going to do a lot more of those as we go. But perhaps this is the first time you're listening to the show. Perhaps you've listened to all six of them now. We hope you have. But if you haven't, check back and follow along and listen to all the ones that you've missed and we want to know what other things you want to hear on Authenticated in future episodes hit us up on social media use hashtag authenticated fan we want to know what you like about the show what you don't like about the show and please be nice if you do tell us what you don't like about the show you know we're doing this for you you know what I mean like we we do this thing for you the collector so if there's anything that uh, we can bring to you in future episodes of Authenticated we want to know what it is hit us up hashtag authenticated fan on social media Let's get right into it. Let's talk about all the things that went on this past weekend at Talladega Super Speedway. 
Mother Nature wreaked havoc at Talladega Super Speedway, but she was no match for Bubba Wallace in the 2311 race team going to victory lane for the very first time. The first time for Bubba Wallace going to victory lane in the Cup Series. The first time for 2311 going to Cup Series. Booty Barker, the crew chief. It was a lot of first-time winners in the Cup Series in victory lane. A makeshift victory lane at that in the garage area at Talladega on Monday afternoon. And, uh, Michelle, I'll start with you. Uh, You know, we've been watching Bubba Wallace through the NASCAR ranks, and uh, we kind of had a feeling that he was banging on the door to get to victory lane, especially at these super speedway races. He's been fast second place at Daytona done a lot of great things on these tracks, but were you surprised that he won uh, the race in a rain shortened manner? Were you, were you thinking that he, he could have been a guy to beat even if it had gone to the checkered flag under sunshine? Yeah. Bubba Wallace, I think always has a chance at these super speedways. Like you said, you know, and we were there in Daytona in 2018 when he came in second, Talk about an exciting race that was. So I think seeing that and seeing how he's progressed since then, I don't think it's shocking that he won at Talladega. And I think what a day for the sport of NASCAR. Um, they really couldn't have scripted it any better if they tried to mother nature. They don't control it for all you haters out there that think it was fixed. I was gonna, <laughs> I'm not yes. one of those people. I am not one of those people that think it was fixed. That it couldn't have been fixed. Obviously, the because of the, the rain that came down in buckets, it just so happened Bubba Wallace knew how to block. He knew how to get to the lead. He threw that block on Brad Keselowski and kept it, and the timing was right, and there was a caution, and then there was rain, and uh, it was pretty fantastic. Yeah, I mean, when you said, you know, NASCAR couldn't have scripted it any better, you got, oh, pump the brakes there. I no, said, no, I, I, no, I, no. Right. But no, 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 I'm right there with you because, uh, you know, following along on Twitter, and of course there's there's going to be haters no matter who wins, and, and you know, the, sometimes there's just things out there and people throw some crazy whacked out ideas out there on, on social media. And uh, if one good thing about Facebook being down yesterday is that some of those, some of those uh, wacky opinions were kept just to Twitter or something like that. But uh, you know, Bubba Wallace going to victory lane at Talladega was uh, like you said, Michelle, it, it was a monumental thing. And, and Alex, I'll continue with you. I mean, there was a lot of history made there. A, a lot of, uh, a lot of things that hadn't happened in a long time uh, in the cup series. And, uh, you know, no better way for a guy like Bubba Wallace and a brand new team to go to victory lane at a place like Talladega. Absolutely. I mean, they just made all history, you know, and they, you know, they showed the Wendell Scott and, you know, the last time he won and all the history made, like you were saying, and going back to like the stuff on social media, it's the Cinderella story you love to see, you know, it's a good feel good story, you know, for him to get his first victory and, even though, you know, it was, you know, rain short and it was still a good race. And I think he would have been up there, but I'm really glad, you know, he won and, you know, made history and, you know, it's the Michael Jordan team. So, you know, that it's a big thing for the sport in general. Yeah. I mean, Michael, excuse me, Michael Jordan said at the very beginning the outset of the 2311 team is that, you know, he expected his team to go to victory lane. And a lot of us, including myself, thought that that's, you know, that's really reaching out there because Michael Jordan, you know, multiple time NBA champion. He does not accept losing. Uh, he's a businessman, but, he you know, he's not the kind of guy that will just be happy being out there and making money, you know, and he wants the success. And that's hard to do in the Cup Series. I mean, just to go out there, yeah, you've got Denny Hamlin, you've got Toyota race cars, you've got, uh, you know, a lot of great partners and DoorDash, McDonald's, you know, a lot, a lot of people want to see this team do well. But that doesn't equal success. That doesn't equal opportunities for success. So, uh, you know, I thought it was a bit of a stretch for Michael to come out there and just say, you know, I think we can go to victory lane. You know what? 
dude's new to NASCAR, but he was spot on. He was exactly right. They did get to victory lane. Yeah, he was spot on. And, you know, like Alex was saying, it's good to see. I mean, when you think about Wendell Scott being the last black driver to win in NASCAR in the Cup Series back in 1963, his family just got the trophy from NASCAR in Daytona this past August. So the sport's come a long way. Society's come a long way. We need more guys like Bubba Wallace in in the Cup Series, and we need them to win. You know, we need more Daniel Suarez's in NASCAR. Right. We need them to win. And Absolutely. I want more Haley Deans in NASCAR, right. and I want them to win. So diversity is good for everybody. And so congratulations to Bubba Wallace in 2311. That was fantastic. Yeah, and and also great for a guy like Booty Barker, who's yes. been around the, the NASCAR yeah. Cup Series forever and old Jasper Motorsports days and, and things like that in the Cup Series. And uh, 484 starts it took this guy to get to victory lane. And didn't he, he won with Scott Wimmer in the Bush Series, it, right? Exactly, yeah. yeah. And, you know, got a role uh, in the shop at 2311 Racing and was just, you know, working on the cars and everything like that. And then uh, Mike Wheeler got promoted to a competition director position, opened the door for Booty to go back on top of the pit box and uh, I think it was only second or third race as the crew chief goes to victory lane and kind of ends that winless streak and uh, another cool thing too is McDonald's going back to victory lane I didn't realize that because McDonald's has been around the sport forever they hadn't won since 1994 I I thought that they broke some kind of curse that people were talking about on social media yesterday so that was pretty cool to see also see that it's like the McDonald's curse is broken. <laughs> and, and, you know, to go back to victory, go back to 1994 and Mr. Excitement, Jimmy Spencer, any any streak that dates back to Jimmy Spencer's <laughs> successful days in NASCAR is a long streak. No, no disrespect to Mr. Excitement, but uh, you know, you're going back in time when you're talking about a streak that started with Jimmy Spencer in the McDonald's car in 1994. Uh, really cool stuff to see Bubba Wallace go to victory lane. I know he's got a lot of fans. And yes, you know, you go to social media, he's got people that like a lot of drivers, they have people that don't want to see them do well and things like that. But you know what? The guys paid his dues from Legends Cars and Bandoleros to Late Models to the Truck Series, Xfinity. He's paid his dues. He's won races before. Absolutely. People, people are saying, oh, yeah. he only won because... but. Dude's no, won races. Exactly. Like, the guy knows how to win races. The people who said that he only won because it rained, obviously, are not true NASCAR fans and do not know how that works at all. There's a lot of guys who have only won races yep. because of rain. You Correct. Know, I, I've never seen any, you know, we'll talk to Chris Busher later on. I don't think anybody ever stops. Well, Chris, yeah, you won, but it was only because of fog or whatever it was at Pocono. You know, I, I don't or like Justin Haley at Daytona. Right. You know, I'm pretty sure the trophy on the guy's shelf doesn't say rain shorten whatever win, 500. So right. You it's know. like we only gave it to you because it rained. That's not how that works. And, you know, anybody sitting at home saying bad things, I can promise you doesn't have a NASCAR Cup Series winner's trophy on their mantle. Amen. You know, or a race win diecast being made by Lionel Racing for their, uh, you know, whatever Xbox racing that they might do or something like that. <laughs> so, um you know, really cool to see Bubba Wallace. And, uh, you know, I've known Bubba for a long time. He's been involved in some of the events that we've done with uh, Lionel Racing as well, too, with our Design a Diecast program yep. and the Speeding to Read program at Texas Motor Speedway. He was a special guest of ours. And um, he, he's a real ambassador for the sport, too. You know, all of the drivers, all, you know, all 40 of them, whatever it is in the race, you know, all of them represent their brand and represent their team well. But Bubba relates to a lot of different people he does you know uh, when we did that event at texas motor speedway the way he interacted most race car drivers go to an event at a school 
they'll just be they'll be there smile take their pictures do whatever they have to do but he listened to every single kid that was there you know and went to some, we went to some you know rather underperforming schools i guess we can say in in texas around texas motor speedway and a lot of them weren't familiar with nascar bubba took the time to teach them you know, introduce them to the sport. And, and I can promise you, we've heard, and Michelle, we've heard from the folks we at have. Texas Motor Speedway that there's a lot of people that have become NASCAR fans because of Bubba Wallace and going to their schools. not only did he go there once, he did Skype calls with them afterwards. Right. He didn't have to do that. He kept in touch with those kids in those classes afterwards. And that just speaks a lot to how much he wants to be an ambassador for the sport, and especially with kids. Right. So, um, I mean, we like Bubba. We've done a couple events with him. He also is a diecast fan. I mean, he told yeah. us when we were at uh, the Richard Petty oh, yeah. Museum, and when we went there for that, we were announcing his um, Daytona race version mm-hmm. about in 2018. He told us he collected all his Xfinity Series cars, and he even has a Ryan Blaney diecast in his collection. So, uh Anybody that's a diecast fan, we're going to get behind for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, he's going to add one more. I can promise you that. Yeah. Uh, I'd be surprised. Yeah. Uh, you know, we just put the uh, orders out there last night. Uh, I would almost imagine that if, uh, well, he probably didn't order it last night. I got a feeling he was a little busy last night. Yeah. Uh, uh, extracurriculars, I guess, with all of his buddies and stuff like that. But uh, you know what? Good for you. Uh, we're upset that we didn't get invited. But, hey, it's all good. Maybe maybe win number two will be there for the big party at Bubba Wallace's house. But uh, kudos to the 23. 11 team uh, going to victory lane at Talladega and race fans you will not want to miss this race win die cast because it is going to be a memorable one it will be a conversation piece no doubt about it you will want to commemorate the day that Bubba Wallace scored his first NASCAR Cup Series victory he can win you know 200 more of them for all we know down the road you know what I mean he, he might this might be his only one you know you never know we've talked to so many drivers over the years you want that first win because you don't know. You just don't know if that's going to be your one and only or the first on the road to the Hall of Fame someday. Yeah. And it's historic for sure. Right. And uh, it's a McDonald's car. And, you know, as a kid, it grew up and, and I have the physique of a kid who grew up <laughs> eating McDonald's. So, um, you know, it, it'll be it'll be really cool to add to the collection. The race win die cast from Talladega Super Speedway will be replicated with all the water spots. It was a fairly clean car, a couple of uh, little scratches and, and things like that over the course of the rain shortened race that got caused to the 2311 toyota camry uh but all the water spots that you see in victory lane we got our our, our uh, partners at cia cameras in action photography got a great shot of the car on victory or excuse me on pit road uh as the rain was falling you can see the raindrops yeah. and everything like that on the car so uh typically we try to uh, when we put out the orders for race wind diecast, we tried to do a burnout shot or something cool from victory lane or something like that. But, uh, you know, obviously with no real victory lane, seeing the rain coming down kind of tells the story in itself of Bubba Wallace's race win. 2311 McDonald's, number 23 Toyota Camry, which you can order right now. LionelRacing.com, 1-800-952-0708 or other authorized Lionel Racing diecast dealers. And uh, before we finish up, we also want to get uh, recapping the Talladega race before we start talking about what's going to happen at the Roval. This was kind of a, you know, a, a chance for some of these guys deep in the point standings to make a jump up. Now, as we go into the Charlotte race, there's a bunch of guys that really need to perform at Charlotte because they did not perform at Talladega. I'll just give a quick recap of the standings right now. Denny Hamlin's the only driver in the playoffs that has clinched a spot in the next round uh, with his victory at Las Vegas. Chase Elliott, Kyle Busch are on the 
plus side, plus nine points. They're tied for the last transfers or seventh and eighth into the round of eight. You got guys like Kevin Harvick, who's nine back. Christopher Bell's 28 back. William Byron, 44. And Bowman, 52. Byron and Bowman have to win. Yeah. They are, there's yep. no mathematical chance that they can point their way in. So they have to go to the Roval to win. I don't know what you guys think. Uh, you know, will anybody be able to, when you think of Harvick, Bell, Byron, and Bowman all on the outside looking in, will any of them be able to leapfrog and get their way into the next round of the playoffs? I would think Bell would with just how his background is and with road courses and all that. I think he has a good shot. Um, the other guys, I don't think they run so well there. Um, and so, yeah, I think Bell would probably be the only one who could actually leapfrog his way in. Yeah, I would agree with you, Alex. I think anything's possible on any given day and given... You know, there's weather situations that happen, and yes. we could see a surprise, but I think Bell's the best shot we have in that situation. And it's really interesting, too, because none of us have picked Kevin Harvick, and including myself. You know, I didn't say who I might think, but, uh, you know, Harvick being nine points out, think of a guy that's won so many races over the last few years and is, uh, uh, you know, really needing uh, to get back to victory lane. Uh, but the fact that if, and if, let's say Bell does get in there, you know, there could be a chance for a guy like Chase Elliott, the defending champion, he's only nine points up right now. If he has a bad race or whatever it might happen, he can find himself not moving on, which is kind of crazy when you thought when you think about it. Yeah, it's definitely not playing out like we expected it to play out. So the race at the Roval should be pretty fantastic TV. Or if you're going, I mean, it's in our backyard. Yeah. So I know a lot of us are going to be there and it's going to be fun to watch. Absolutely. So we'll talk more about the Charlotte Roval race here in just a couple of minutes. But again, if you want to order that Bubba Wallace number 23 Toyota, the McDonald's ride that went to victory lane at Talladega Super Speedway, you can do so. 1-800-952-0708 or lionelracing.com or contact your authorized Lionel Racing diecast dealer. This week in our Fresh Paint segment, we will talk more about first-time winners at Talladega Super Speedway. We're going to kick things off from Saturday afternoon. Tate Fogelman taking the number 12 Traeger Traeger Grills Chevrolet Silverado to victory lane at Talladega in the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series. First career win for Tate Fogelman, uh, a kid that I watched through late models and, and, and everything like that. His dad, Jay, was a, a longtime short track racer, racing the Bush Series and the Hooters Pro Cup Series, all that stuff. Really good racing family uh, from the Raleigh area. Goes to victory lane at Talladega. And uh, I'll tell you what, at Young's Motorsports team, they get the job done at, at Talladega. That's two wins out of the last three years. Uh, really cool to see a, for another first-time winner, Alex, at Talladega. Uh, yeah, absolutely. You know, that truck race was very eventful to watch from beginning to end. And to see, you know, Tate, you know, make contact with John Hunter coming, you know, to the checker, coming out of the trioval to the start finish line, which is right out of the trioval. And then he wasn't done. He kind of pulled an AJ Allmendinger at Bristol and went ahead and just wrecked himself after the fact. But he still won. And, you know, he was super excited and I love seeing first time winners because it, you know, it's new for them and it shows how passionate and excited they are. Yeah. And he was in third place. He wasn't right there at the very end of the race and he took dusting in his own hands and he made something happen. I mean, he spun Nemechek out. He did. And that was a, you cannot argue with that kind of a finish unless you're Nemechek, you may argue with it, but for fans, you can't argue with it. It's pretty great. What, yeah. I, what I thought was interesting, though, is John Hunter, because I thought the same thing when I saw that happen. I'm like, oh, John Hunter is not going to be yep. pleased. 
he actually took the blame upon himself uh, in his post-race interview. He actually said, you know, he made a move too late and, and you know, spun himself up. Now, whether that was the politically correct right. answer for him to say instead of taking the, the glory away from a first-time winner, who really knows? And, um, you know, but that's just a product of super speedway racing and especially when you're going for your first win you know a guy like tate fogelman uh, you know he, he's a good little racer but he's not necessarily a weekly contender for victory and i don't know what you two would think but if if i was in that position and there was an opportunity maybe my only opportunity yep. to go to victory lane if that means somebody's got to go around to do it totally so be it absolutely i mean he needed to win and you take the chance and you do it it was uh it, it was a very memorable finish for many different ways, and uh, it's going to be a race win diecast uh, that you won't want to miss either because of all the damage. It's going to take our artists a while <laughs> to recreate that. Let's We're say. so sorry again for like the third week in a row. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, what they'll, I, I don't want to say they're getting off easy with the Bubba Wallace car because there's not a whole lot of damage to it, but they're they're going to earn their paychecks with, the, with this truck series one. Uh, we've got a lot of cool uh, social media uh photos that we're going to be sharing here later in the week probably about the time this uh this airs you can check it out on our uh, social media channels with the reference photos of the traeger girls number 12 chevrolet that tate fogelman uh got towed to victory lane i want to say drove to victory lane because he didn't drive it once he wrecked he had to get towed there but uh the whole left side of the car was scraped up Uh, pretty much all the decals got rubbed off and uh, lots of damage to the front and the rear that happened throughout the race because the dude was in a couple of different (laughs) incidents even before the ones on the last lap so uh, it's definitely going to be a, a great race win diecast that you will want to add to your collection, which you can get at one 800 And if you haven't seen uh, some of these reference photos, we will add them to our fresh paint section on our Instagram highlights. So go to our Instagram page at Lionel underscore racing, and you won't want to miss the photos of Tate Fogelman's number 12 Traeger Grill Chevrolet Silverado. And uh, I know a lot of fans, our social media has been blowing up about the Brandon Brown Xfinity Series win and uh you know another dramatic finish ran under yellow uh under darkness and uh a first time winner again for the second straight race second of three first time winners and uh alex by the time that uh, you're hearing this perhaps we'll have more news but uh, as of recording time where are we at on offering the brandon brown um we have reached out to brandon brown and we're in the process of you know getting the diecast offered so hopefully like you said by the time this airs we'll have some good news and it'll be out there for everybody to pre-order and uh you know a lot of fans are you know michelle you can probably speak to this too a lot of fans want that diecast have wanted it since the the checkered flag flew on saturday but especially with some of these smaller teams it's not as turnkey as maybe you know a joe gibbs racing or something like that for us to be able to right. offer the diecast right on some of the smaller teams and typically they're in the truck series or the xfinity series um they may not be a team that we have an already um, standing license relationship with, so we just have to reach out to them and get that done. And that takes a little bit of time, sometimes longer time than we would like, but typically it does happen. So like Alex said, hopefully in the next few days, we'll be able to offer that one for pre-order. Absolutely. And uh, also this week in Fresh Paint, we've got our first 2022 die cast offering the number eight Josh Berry Harrison's USA Chevrolet Camaro Xfinity Series car. And, uh, you know, we've talked a lot about Josh Berry over the last couple of episodes because he's, uh, you know, he won Martinsville early in the season, but uh, won at Las Vegas, subbing in for Michael Annette in the number one car. Uh, but he's got a full time ride with Junior Motorsports, and uh, it's pretty cool to see a new driver. Uh, at least to a full-time capacity 
capacity, a new sponsor be the first 2022 uh, off diecast offering that we have. How can you not love this story with Josh Berry? He's had such success with Junior Motorsports already. And then to get this opportunity, and he keeps winning. I mean, he keeps getting the chance to sub for Michael Annette. He won again, and now he's got Harrison's coming on board full-time, a new sponsor full-time in the Xfinity Series. And so we're excited to have this as our first diecast of 2022. It's one of the best stories, I think, of 2021, in the Xfinity Series at least. And uh, we're excited it's out for pre-order. So everybody needs to go order it and show Josh Berry some support. And I think he'll be a championship contender next year mark my words he's already shown it this year just in the limited opportunities that he's had and uh, being able to kind of do this on a more routine basis uh, you know it's unfortunate for Michael Annette to, uh, you know as he's trying to recover from his uh, leg injuries that he's had uh, over the last few months um, you know kind of bad news for him but good news for Josh Berry because you know previously he had only been in the car you know, every once in a while, not necessarily on a routine basis. But this is something, especially in the playoffs, kind of learning what the playoff atmosphere is going to be like when he gets most likely there uh, a calendar year from now to get that experience uh, under the playoff pressure, even though he's not in the playoffs, but all the other drivers are in the competition certainly shows that it's uh, playoff time. So uh, really good experience for Josh Berry and uh, really cool die cast and uh, um, a really good looking car, too. Uh, It's going to look really cool on the racetrack. And uh, uh, I've got a feeling Josh Berry is going to have a few more really stout looking paint schemes uh, in 2022 that you will want to get. Also, uh, in our fresh paint this week, uh, William Byron's number 24 Valvoline car, a really sharp looking car. Got a lot of good uh, positive feedback on social media about that car. That one's running at the Charlotte Roval. Kevin Harvick, number four, Bush Light Hunt for Bush, which ran at Talladega. Really cool uh, uh, outdoorsy hunter scheme uh, on that car. And Eric Jones, number 43, U.S. Air Force Special Warfare that ran at Talladega. And that is maybe my favorite paint scheme of the that year. That is a kick-ass car. I mean, that really is. That was cool. Yeah, if you haven't seen it yet, you can see it on our Instagram story highlights uh, in the fresh paint section. Uh, uh, the, the artist at Richard Petty Motorsports that put that car together, uh, you know, kudos to him. Uh, definitely, uh, I, I hope somebody bought him lunch for that car. I do, too. That's yeah. such a departure for Air Force paint schemes, too. It's so different than what they typically do. So, yeah, yeah. But all the Air Force schemes have been cool. They Think have. about the Warthog one. They you have. Know, the, it's just a different take on one. Right. It's totally different. You know, the desert sand type yes. color. It's uh, it's one I've already put my order in for that one, too. So, uh, you know, I don't I don't buy a whole lot of die casts. You know, they got to be guys that I, I want to support or paint schemes that I really like. Um, and, and that's one of them. So uh, I'm excited to add that one to my collection. And you will be, too. All of these cars that you've heard on the Fresh Paint segment, uh, you can see them uh, on our Instagram story highlights under fresh paint, and you can order them today at lionelracing.com by calling 1-800-952-0708 or checking out another authorized Lionel Racing diecast dealer. Here we are, everyone, at the Authenticated Podcast. We're doing our first on-site recording of this show, and we're doing it right from the Lionel store at Concord Mills, Concord, North Carolina. You can probably hear some of the great race fans. Hey, race fans, let's hear it. Let everybody on the podcast know that you're excited. 
You're, ex you're excited to be here at the Lionel store celebrating 30 years of the Racing Collectibles Club of America, RCCA. We got a lot of RCCA members here celebrating our 30th anniversary and uh, fitting that that anniversary is being celebrated right here on race week at Charlotte Motor Speedway Roval. Uh, just what, maybe three, four miles down the road is uh, Charlotte Motor Speedway. You can hear the race cars from here uh, when they're on the racetrack. So uh, a lot of cool things going on for NASCAR fans around the Charlotte area. And uh, we figured we'd celebrate 30 years of RCCA, have a lot of our friends, uh, our diecast collector friends here at the Lionel store. And we figured, hey, since we're doing that, let's have our first NASCAR driver guest on the Authenticated Podcast, Roush Fenway Racing driver Chris Busher. Welcome to the Authenticated Podcast, Chris. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me over here. Pretty uh, pretty cool to come in and uh, and see all the diecasts stacked up on the shelves. Um, I'm sure uh, it's starting to go quick as we head into uh, to race week in here, and we can start getting a lot of our race fans in and uh, and ready to go. Man, it, it's it's a lot of fun here. Have you ever been to this store before? I have. It's been so long since I've been in the mall here. Yeah. Uh, it, it's uh, this is my first time coming to the store, so this is pretty neat. It's a very impressive display. Uh, like seeing some of the sheet metal up on the wall yeah. as well. So old jerseys. We got a bunch of uh, the 17 diecasts up behind us. So uh, appreciate y'all setting that up. Um, yeah, very uh, very neat and, uh, and glad to uh, to be coming in here. Yeah, absolutely. And and fans, uh, as you're listening to this, you probably check out our social media, even though this will hit the airwaves in a day or two from when we're recording it. Uh, check out Lionel Racing on Instagram as well as Roush Fenway Racing social media as well because we got a whole team of people taking pictures, doing videos, doing some really cool content uh, from here at the Lionel store. And uh, Chris, we'll, uh, we'll start with some on-track stuff. Man, you had a great run at Talladega Super Speedway this past weekend uh great to see that 17 up front the only stage winner you know a, a complete race that you know <laughs> even though it was rain shortened you were the only stage winner and got a nice finish out of that one yeah that sounds uh it sounds really good before you say it was the only stage but <laughs> <laughs> but it was a, a really solid race for us and um you know really happy to get down to, to Talladega to be able to race um looking at the radar when we first got there I was worried it was going to be um tomorrow before we were even yep. on track so really fortunate we got to uh, to get that race in we uh, we had a really fast race car we were able to get up there with a, a bunch of fords and, and really push and um and learn a lot about our, our race cars and be able to get that first stage win and uh and we were almost there for that second one and um you know everybody uh well everyone knew right we all knew we were racing to to a halfway point more than likely or or any time after halfway we better be planning on some form of precipitation and uh so once we got to uh, i think it was lap 94 it's like all right you know this this could be a race for the win at any moment so it's time to go and with that excitement in the race we um we ended up having a a lot of uh, aggression there towards uh towards the end or what ended up being the end and, uh, and ultimately had that last caution that um you know ended up uh, unfortunately you know being uh being ryan priest a, a good friend of mine that uh was trying to push him and had someone pushing us and just uh, you know, trying to get our line to move, and um, you know, tried to tried to let him go a little bit there, but we had a, had him lined up behind us at the same time, and you know, just uh, a push that didn't quite work out the way we wanted. But uh, again, we were in a good row. We had uh, had two Fords leading the lane, and uh, had worked with with uh, with Brad and Joey a good amount leading up to that point, and we felt like we were in a really good spot. And um, and unfortunately, didn't get to get it going again. But uh, NASCAR did make the right call. I know it was hard because at the time it was just a sprinkle, and and it looked like we'd be able to dry it. 
and, and it was really shortly after that um, that that next rain came in. It's so hard to tout egg. It's so massive that yeah. one and two was soaked, and we're sitting there, and it, it's the sun is peeking out of the clouds, and we're like, man, let's go, let's uh, let's race again, and uh, and then it, it did end up coming down and uh, and really wiping us out. And, uh, and even as we were sitting on the plane across the street getting ready to leave, it, it, it dumped. It, uh, yeah. it just it came down. So ended up being uh, the end of, end of the day, and uh, we were, were in position to, uh, to be able to, to win a race and didn't get to, uh, to give it that final push at it. But um, got a stage win. We were up front a lot and, uh, and had a really fast race. I'm really appreciative to everybody at Roush Fenway for working hard to, uh, to, to give us those good super speedway cars every time we go to one of these races. So... Um, so close to Daytona, and uh, yeah. and had the speed again at Talladega. Not quite as close this time around, but uh, but a really solid day. Do you get more amped up because of the excitement or the past success that you and your race team has have had at these uh, super speedway tracks? And you know, obviously, your spider your spotter Mike Herman is really good at, at getting you through a lot of traffic and stuff like that. Do you get a little bit more amped up going to those race tracks uh, because of some past success that you've had there? Probably, um, maybe a little bit. So, super speedway racing isn't my favorite style of racing. So it's um, you know it's taken a little bit more to get me ready for those. Uh, Herm does do a fantastic job uh, when we go uh, when we go to the racetrack every week. But uh, really, really strong uh, effort when we go super speedway racing as well. And I think um, it does help. You know, when when you go to those racetracks and you know you're going to have speed and you know it's an opportunity. It uh, it helps us go there and be a little bit more aggressive and take some more chances and I think that's what we uh, what we've been able to do the last couple. Um, it's a little bit easier too, you know, when uh, when there's not much on the line, right? Yeah. Um, when you're not sitting there trying to make that that last playoff cut uh, or uh, or trying to count points. When uh, you know for Daytona for us it was win or win or nothing. Right. Um, either bring a steering wheel back or bring a bring a trophy back and we got oh so close. And uh, for Talladega, it was a, a similar situation. You know, we're not in a points battle at this this time. It's um, it's time to win races, and we want to take those opportunities and, and take those chances. And um, we were close. Uh, you know, like I said, not as close as we wanted to be when uh, when the yellow fell, but we had a, a strong lane going, and, and I think we really had a lot of potential to get to that point. And then it would uh, would have been a battle for those last couple spots. I'm curious. I just want to. Why is super speedway racing not your favorite? And there's nothing wrong with it not being your favorite. Is it just because of the the chess match that it is? Well, you know, what are the reasons why that's maybe not one of your favorite types of racing? I think um, it's not that I I don't like super speedway racing. It's that I like other styles of racing sure. way more. And so when we go to Bristol, that's that's my cup of tea right there yep. like that's what i want to do is go to a racetrack um, that you have to hustle from the time the green flag drops you are on edge you're wore out by the end of it uh more physically where you are very mentally wore out when you get done with a super speedway race but bristol is uh is that kind of racetrack where you know you sit there for four hours in a race car you'll, you'll burn four or five thousand calories uh from from the heart rate monitors that i've worn in the past it and will max your heart rate out for, for 20 minutes uh, of, a, of a four hour race. I mean, it's just the intensity level is there from, from the get go of that race and it never drops. Um, and it's short track race and you get to push and shove a little bit yeah. and, uh, and lean on each other. I know it's a little tough right right at the current, uh, with the current car and you know, we're cutting tires down a lot easier than we, uh, than we wish. Um, I think this next gen car will address some of that. We haven't actually put them door to door yet, but uh, that will be coming pretty quickly. Um, I think it'll be uh, an opportunity for us to, to be able to lean on each other a little bit more and get a little bit more aggressive. Hopefully not quite to uh, the demolition derby style of racing, mm-hmm. but um, 
be able to uh, to be a little bit more aggressive and be able to uh, you know kind of rub fenders more like uh, like the old Bristol days. So you mentioned the next gen car, and you were part of the next gen test at Daytona. And I know there weren't 40 cars on the track at Daytona, but how did the next gen car handle at Daytona compared to the current car on a super speedway? For uh, for super speedway racing, I won't say it's a whole lot different. Um, unfortunately. Or fortunately, I don't know how to word this. Fortunately, I was one of the few that got to do a test last year. Um, unfortunately, it was Daytona by myself for two days, and I don't have a real good read on it, uh, whereas a lot of drivers got to do, whether there was Richmond, Darlington, Roval, Charlotte, yeah. uh, they got a different read on it. And, right. um, you know, I didn't get to uh, to do a, a fun track, so to speak, especially when you're by yourself. Right. So if you're racing by yourself, <laughs> it's like a qualifying lap yeah, over right. and over, yeah, and it's yeah. just terribly boring but uh right. once we uh we got there we had other cars on track i think that it was, was pretty similar once you got in a draft um the air moves a little bit differently with all of the um uh, the escape ducts in the hood mm-hmm. uh you know how the air is rolling around the car there the diffuser in the rear has really changed how the draft works it's going to take some um some studying uh we're gonna have to you know see um you know track time but also see some data and uh and and look at what people way smarter than me can uh, can pump out and, and show me so that I can understand where uh, where the air is moving and, and where you feel like you can find that side draft or uh, where that bubbles at behind a race car and where you you pull out it's um it's changed pretty drastically from what I could tell at that test but uh, you know as far as inside the car and, and driving it the sequential shifting isn't that much different mm-hmm. um, you know you really get up to, to high gear and you go uh, the steering is a lot faster, so it's a little bit strange there. The brakes are way better. Uh, so when you start talking about our green flag pit stops, I'm talking 10 or 15 car lengths um, at, at 200 miles an hour better. Um, way better brakes uh, that we're allowed to fit under these cars now that we have you know, a lot more surface area available to us with an 18-inch wheel. Um, I know that comes with some controversy about the, the one lug nut deal. I don't have an opinion one way or another on that. Um, I don't know that it's really going to matter at the end of the day. I do know that it's um, something that our pit crews are, are studying very hard and uh, and working on trying to be efficient with that process. Um, you know, I think uh, the big big test, I, I get to run the test after the Roval yeah. uh, next week, and I'm really looking forward to that one because I've, I've actually heard that uh, that the road courses where the next-gen car has been fantastic, um, even early on in development when some of the other little knick-knack stuff was still a struggle for the ovals, the, the road course stuff was still really strong and they were really happy. So now that they've really tuned on a lot of things and gotten stuff feeling better to the drivers, I feel like the road course could be a really, really solid option for us and um, looking forward to having some fun. That'd be great. So with the next-gen car, do you feel... You know, obviously, the the goal of the next gen car, according to NASCAR, is to kind of you know close the gap between the haves and the have-nots, and, and really kind of equal out the competition. From what you've seen, and, and I know you've had different phases of of testing these cars, but even some of the drivers that I'm sure you've talked to, and I'm sure your engineers and everybody you know with the race team, do you feel like that that is going to happen? Uh, you think it's going to be a more competitive field, top to bottom, when we get to the racetrack in 2022? I would say it will close your 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 farthest outliers Mm -hmm. Uh, i think it will tighten that up Um, i don't know that it's going to uh to make it to where all 40 cars are right on top of each other i think it's still going to be teams that are going to find that little bit extra um they're going to to really study it into the engineering side of it and find things on on ways to be better 
Um, I think it's still a, a very heavily engineered race car, maybe more so than, than what we're currently running. Uh, it's long overdue, right? It's, um, it's something that when you look at the technology of a race car, our, our current car right now, we're running a, a truck arm rear suspension that is based off of a, a mid-50 Chevrolet pickup. Right. Uh, our front suspension is, is I believe, mid-60s Chevrolet, like Chevy 2, Nova, Chevelle. Um, it's it's old. It's yeah. outdated <laughs> right. for, for racing. Um, you know, that's getting back into my favorite years of hot rods, but um, <laughs> but it's it's not what we want to be racing. That being said, it's not parts that we go to the store and buy. Right. Um, it's not a, a you know going down to the local parts store and, and bolted up. Everything is custom built. Everything is designed ultimately to to make 500 miles and fail at 600 because we don't need it anymore. And if we can find an ounce of speed at at a 500 mile part and, and give up some some longevity on it where we don't need it, we do that. And so all of our stuff is so custom made to just our series. And I think that's driven the cost of the, the current generation car up uh, in, in ways that we really didn't expect it to probably 15 years ago. So I think the, the next gen is going to tighten a lot of that. Um, it is an expensive car, but I think when you start talking about how the pieces are what they are and, uh, and you, know, you buy them, you can bolt them up. Uh, you can work on the, the geometry from there with uh, within the limits that they're going to allow you with with different slugs, uh, spacers, and, and and whatnot. That I think it's um, it is a way to close the the far reaches of everything, so that you know your teams aren't necessarily working with uh, with parts that were designed for for a team to run 500 miles. Now they're having to run them a thousand miles, but they can't run them as aggressively. You know they're having to tighten stuff up or. Uh, beef them up and add weight to, to make them last. I think that's where uh, it should really tighten up our field. You used a lot of really interesting car terminology there and a lot of history <laughs> and stuff like that. I, and I've been watching some of the, the car gurus in, in the crowd here yeah. kind of nodding their heads. <laughs> How important is that for a driver like yourself to have the car knowledge? You know, because look, we're not sharing any secrets here. There are some drivers out there that just get behind the wheel and don't know a, a, a <laughs> slug from, from a spindle. You know what I mean? How important is having that car knowledge to be able to re relate to your crew and your crew chief, your engineers and everything like that to make that car that much better? I, I believe there's a, a lot to be said for it um there's a handful of drivers that do really well that that will get you down in the seat and uh and they'll say it's it's loose or tight and i don't know why and you know some of uh some of the relationships with their crew chiefs it, it works well and they can they can make it happen but for me i've always believed that um having a knowledge of what's underneath the race course helped me really describe and try and pinpoint what we're fighting at racetracks uh try and say what's hitting the racetrack uh not just a hey we're we're bottoming out it's you know the truck arm is is hitting the racetrack and i think the the left rear needs to come up a little bit if it's um you know different uh different parts if you feel like the, the sway bar's got it bound up if it's uh, you know, anything along those lines you can try and pinpoint and and describe it better and i think get to ultimately get to a better result quicker uh, not saying the other drivers won't get there uh, but I think it takes longer for them to find that relationship with their crew so that they understand how how they're uh, they're going to make that adjustment, how they're going to get to the, the end result. Um, that's how I got into racing. I, I've been working on cars since I was a kid, holding the flashlight wrong for my dad getting yelled at in the garage. You know, like, like I was uh, I was there at, at four or five years old trying to, uh, to to reach over the hood and and let him know what he was uh, what he was looking at, but. Um, at the same time, it's uh, you know still something that I really enjoy working on on old vehicles and uh, and helping Dad um, still to this day. 
as he's uh, working on his 56 Ford pickup. Um, nice. Not necessarily a race car by any means, but it will be quick, it will be cool, and, uh, and it is fun to... Uh, to look at a lot of stuff from that era and and see it's still underneath our race cars that's um, crazy so it, it really is when you think about going back you know, 80 years and, and saying that technology is what's underneath the, the right. rear of our cars going 215 miles well, an i've never hour heard Michigan, it put that way before yeah. it, it's it's yeah. strange um it actually makes you a little nervous at times right. so <laughs> yes. i think uh, this is this is overdue and um you know excited to uh, to be able to do it and i know we're even delayed from you know obviously right. the, the current situation but sure uh you know excited that we are going to get to run it i know we're still working out bugs and, and we will uh for a while as you will with anything completely new um but we do have a lot of testing this year coming at us uh you know not starting next week but again next week mm-hmm. and, and going on into the off season uh, so we will be able to uh to work on easing on some of these uh these these little nuances that are getting us and i think we'll have a really really solid car for next season so Going back to what you were saying about hot rods, you mentioned earlier you collected hot rods growing up. So going back to that, your diecast fans, you know, what do you think of the diecast community and like seeing your car, you know, people coming up and, hey, you signed and it. You're like, oh, that's cool. I get to sign yeah, a little replica. Absolutely. So what do you think about that? <laughs> so it's uh, it's pretty wild. When I think back to um, back to Texas, when I was just a race fan, right, my, my family had um, season tickets to Texas Motor Speedway. Uh, I remember going out to the haulers, uh, you know, buying diecast and, and getting it signed. I know those days are um, are, are different, uh, you know, especially in, in our current situation yet again. But uh, it is uh, it's cool to have people come to the track and present you with your own stuff, right? And um, and to think that you know it wasn't you know probably a little bit more than ten years ago that uh, 12, 14 years ago, I'm sitting there on the other side of the fence doing the same thing. So uh, I've been pretty fortunate to, uh, to find my way here and to work hard to get here, but it is neat to, uh, to see the diecast up on the wall behind me and be able to, uh, to have a few of um, most every, every car that was, I think every car that was produced through the years. Awesome. Um, so it's, uh, it, it's, it's neat to have my, my race cars. Um, I won't say I collected a whole lot of racing diecasts as a kid, but I had a ton of, of hot rod diecasts. And, and you know, my dad's a race fan, and so I was too. But um, but before that, we were really uh, really just a hot rod family, and so we were always uh, going to car shows where you know there would be the same racks that are that are out here on the floor, right? You'd go into the swap meet or the corral area, and um, that was usually my thing. I'd go uh, be able to pick one out for uh, for the show, yeah. and, uh, and take that one back home and, and add it to the collection. And my stuff's not uh, was not in pristine shape. That's um, <laughs> my stuff got got used as a kid, so uh, probably a little bit a uh, little bit beat on. But um, I, I think uh, I think about it now. I think that's how I learned how to drive a trailer was with diecast driving around the yeah. floor of the living room. So uh, yeah. So, and it worked really well. I, I typically don't hit stuff, so it's, uh, it's a pretty positive. Yeah. No, you said typically, so there's been a time or two. Man, I have been so good with with trying to take care of my, my real stuff. Right. And um, I hopped in. I got a 79 Bronco that I picked up probably about March last year as we uh, you know we kind of went into to lockdown and um, had a lead on it, got it. I've had it at the, the farm for, uh, well, since then. And two weeks ago, I hopped in. The battery was dead. I was mad about that. Jumped it off, and um, I had my little flatbed behind it, and just just angled right to where I got in. Got in the Bronco and looked out the left side mirror, 
and didn't see anything and put it in reverse, backed up, and sorry, as I, I, I <laughs> and that turned the wheel. Yeah. <laughs> and um, it dawned on me as I was probably a foot away, I was like, there was something back there. <laughs> and I, I put the left rear of the bumper through the fender of the trailer. Um, old steel holds up really solid though. The, the bumper did not even scratch through the, the paint. Um, and the trailer fender needs some serious hammer and dolly work. Mm. So uh, it, it did not fare near as well as the truck that was built 40-something years ago. Now, did anybody see it? Did your wife see it? Anybody see that? Nobody saw this. So, so I, I can, appreciate you yeah. sharing the story because yeah. nobody would have had to know. I can laugh at myself at yeah. times. It was just one of those you get out and you look at it and you can't even be mad. You're like, man... You're an idiot. You wish you could blame somebody else, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But there's no one there. Right. It's like, yeah, that one's on you. You messed up. You better figure out how to fix it. <laughs> All right. So what else are we going to see on Chris Busher's farm besides a bent-up trailer right now? What else are we going to have? Animals? I already, fix, I already fixed the bent-up trailer. Boy. Yeah. That one's, uh, <laughs> that one's covered up and done. Um, so I guess... Uh, for the, from the farm side of things, my, my wife's the animal person. Yep. I'm, I'm the car person. So we got a uh, got the Bronco. I picked up a, a 78 F350 uh, crew cab truck, which is a lot harder to come by back then. I know crew cabs are just normal for pickups now. Uh, and then I picked up a, a 77 4x4 F150 uh, here lately that needs a lot of TLC, but it's, um, it's solid, just needs a lot of work. And um, projects are... Hard to get done. Um, <laughs> you know, naturally we uh, we do things on weekends that take away a lot of time from from those projects. But uh, and then aside from from my vehicles and, and stuff that I'm always working on, my wife's um, adding uh, adding animals a lot faster than I am vehicles. So <laughs> we picked up seven more goats on the way home from Bristol. Wow! Uh, actually, nice. were they just on trailer. the road, or were you planning no, to pick no, them up? No, no, she had okay. it all planned out. Yeah. Oh. So I, I took a horse trailer into uh, the the motorhome lot at Bristol <laughs> and got all kinds of questions from I bet. people I asking bet. I was what's say, going you, on. Yeah. That's when you let your Texas showed right there, didn't you? <laughs> just, just a little bit. Yeah. So uh, wheeled it in there, and on our way home, we picked up uh, picked up another seven goats. We um, we have peacocks now. Uh, wow. A couple dozen chickens. They keep multiplying. I don't. I don't know what to do about that. But uh, well, I know what to do. And um, <laughs> turns out, saying that uh, I want want chicken for dinner is not not really really neat with my my wife. So uh, <laughs> we're um, you know we're we're building up. Uh, got a couple donkeys to protect the goats is what I was told. Um, I feel like it's just for fun, and uh, and then I feel like cattle and and a couple horses are not far out on our horizon. So yeah, it's, it's building up. Yeah, baby yeah. steps, right? It's what it's what I thought. I thought baby steps were like, hey, one different animal a year, right. not not every month. Not so. take a trailer to Bristol and bring back a whole <laughs> exactly. farm load of animals. Exactly. So you're yeah. saying it's never yeah. a dull moment on the Busher farm, then? No, we do not stop. We do not slow down. Um, we we are constantly working on something. Um, Right now it is building the chicken run so that we can fit peacocks because the current coop was uh, not near tall enough to let them stretch and, yeah. uh, and, and fly a little bit. Uh, turns out peacocks can fly. That is, oh. that is a thing. Yep. How high? Not very. See, I think it's very short distances. So they'll <laughs> go roost up on, on tree limbs and stuff, and uh, eventually we will get them free-ranging. But you have to keep them in their area for like six months and feeding them in certain areas so they know that's home. Um, and my wife, uh, she actually works at, uh, at our, our county um, animal protective services. So she's really adamant that she does not want to get a call from coworkers that our peacocks are out in the middle of the road. Sure. And I can see that. her have to say, oh, yeah, that's mine. Uh, so 
we're yeah. um, trying to keep them contained. She, she's got to fess up to it, right? Because there's not a, probably not a whole lot of neighbors probably with peacocks not a whole in there. Lot yeah. with <laughs> around us. Like, <laughs> so, okay, so you didn't grow up necessarily, you grew up a NASCAR fan, but you were a hot rod fan. You said your, da- your dad took you to the racetrack and stuff like that. So, you know, obviously ARCA Championship, Xfinity Championship, onto the Cup Series. What happened in between there? Like, what, where was that first step to get you, you know, with a helmet on, in a race car, to get you down that path? Where did that all start for you? Um, motocross. Um, I ran, I got a motorcycle when I was, I think four and, um, we were in, uh, we were in Texas and we were in uh, Plano at the time and we'd have to go out to, uh, like a, I guess it was a park where it had a, a handful of soccer fields and we got run off the soccer fields naturally, you know, taking a little <laughs> motorcycle around the, the soccer fields. I, um, I crashed into a net early on, uh, before I knew where the brakes were at and, um, after that, we started going to racetrack as I was, uh, I think, six. And I raced those for a handful of years, little 50cc bikes. Um, and uh, I, I flipped over. I crashed a lot, but uh, I happened to flip over and get run over in front of the stands where my mom was at one time. Uh, and that yeah, was pretty much was the it. end of my two-wheeled career. So, Understood. Um, yeah, and I get it. Um, turns out I'm better on four anyway, so yeah. uh, <laughs> it was all for the better. But after that, I... Um, I got into uh, Bandoleros in Legends cars um, and started traveling a decent amount with uh, with the Legends cars once I got to, to 12 years old. Um, I met um, a lot of people along the way. We came out to Charlotte from Texas most summers. Uh, we ran 60-something races in three months uh, for, I think, three summers in a row. Um, I think it was three. Yeah. And, uh, you know, went wide open. We, we worked on the stuff. We kept it up. We changed gears. Uh, you know, having a front clip cars through the year because we actually wear them out during the summer yeah. and then have to, uh, to rip them apart, replace stuff, and get back going. And then um, after after Legends car, or I guess kind of on the late side of Legends cars, um, Ken Reagan, David Reagan's dad, was running U.S. Legends cars. And um, I got black flagged for rough driving and had to go have a sit down with him. <laughs> and I got lectured for a couple hours. And at the end of it, uh, actually became became a mentor to, to me and uh, became friends and I would start going over there on Sundays uh, would actually cook out with the Reagan family as David was racing uh, I think it was early on it was trucks and then the six cup car for Roush Fenway so it uh, kind of worked out and um, when I was almost 16 I moved uh, I moved from Texas out here and uh, I actually moved in with with Ken and Beverly Reagan and, uh, and Adam's older brother Adam uh, I mean, David's older brother, mm-hmm. Adam, and um, I moved in with them. And, and their thing was, hey, you go work in David's shop, help him with whatever he needs, do your online schoolwork, and uh, and mow the grass, and uh, we'll give you room and board, and we'll do what we can to help you. So, um, you know, they introduced me to, uh, to Jack Roush and, and Robbie Riser at, uh, at the time, started going over to the pit stop practice area, cleaning lug nuts and, and wheels. Uh, helping everybody over there as I was, um, you know, still trying to uh, to Legends car race and uh, ultimately got to uh, to the point where I was able to to get in the development program at Roush at um, at 16. So 12 years ago now, been there for a long time, but yeah. I signed up 12 years ago to to go racing and um, was able to go into ARCA, uh, win some races early on and, and win championship there and uh, and just slowly progress and, and really by design did not run any trucks. Um, at the time, it, uh, it made more sense than it does now, but at the time, the trucks were really underpowered compared to the cup cars um, and even the Xfinity cars and really, really aero-sensitive. 
turns out uh, the Cup Series made its way down that path and, and you know, had to cut power out to keep speeds down uh, around 200. They got really aerosensitive, so um, that probably would have ended up being a pretty good path to, uh, to get some experience, but uh, at the time it was our belief that that was uh, not a, a positive way to go spend, uh, spend some time. And um, felt like the ARCA cars, which were 900 horsepower uh, yeah. when I was there, it's actually the most horsepower I've ever had in a stock car was in an ARCA car mm-hmm. because they've, they've continually had to cut power to keep our speeds down. Um, ever since Michigan repaved, honestly. Right. We went 220 miles an hour at Michigan mm-hmm. when I was 18 years old at an ARCA test. Well, and, and that's that's what I found interesting because, you know, I, I saw, saw that you did Bandolero's Legends cars and there wasn't a whole lot. You know, most kids will go from Legends cars to late model stocks or super late models and then to K&N, and, you know, on to ARCA. But you went right from Legends cars to ARCA? Yeah. How much of a transition <laughs> could that, is that? That's crazy. It, it was big, but it was, um, it, it was, it was drawn out. And um, the way we looked at it is late models were, uh, they are very expensive to go run. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're hard to find tracks where you can travel a lot and run the same rules package, yeah. uh, which makes it even more expensive when you have to start changing stuff track to track as you go to different regions. Um, to us, it did not make sense to, to go try and spend a bunch of money there for a year or two. Uh, and get stock car experience when you could go to ARCA, mm-hmm. run fairly inexpensively, and and really really watch what you spend and do a, a good job, and um, and it's it's touring right, and, yeah. and it gets you all over the country. It, exposure um, too. Exposure it was on you know, live TV uh, for for a lot of the races, most of the races. Um, I did run. Um, I ran six late model races in uh, in one of Reagan's old late models, mm-hmm. and uh, and I ran six ASA truck races out west uh, through a, a really good friend of mine, and um, you know got my early big car experience, yep. and then uh, fired right off in the 900 horsepower ARCA car. So. Yeah. And we hey, skipped a few steps. Go big or go home, right? I mean, it made sense. I mean, I think it worked yeah. out for you. It did. I would say so. <laughs> All right. So uh, let's let's look at the Roval here. A uh, lot of changes within the 17 camp going into Charlotte Motor Speedway this weekend. Uh, new crew chief. You know, what are your thoughts going into this weekend? Yeah, it's um, a lot, lot hitting us all at once, right? And uh, and a little bit of a short week racing on Monday, so mm-hmm. uh, been a little bit, little bit crazy. But we're uh, we're excited to head in the into the Roval. Um, you know, Scott Graves and I have uh, were actually on the uh, on the same group when we were running. Uh, he was my crew chief when we were running Xfinity, yeah. right? Yeah. We, we won a championship together, so uh, that does give us um, so some good opportunity here. We feel like we'll be able to really hit the ground running, not have to really uh, learn each other and really start fresh so i think that's um something we're pretty pretty excited to, to get going on i know it's um it's a lot of change and a little bit late in the season and um we're gonna we're gonna work hard to make it smooth but i think it is going to be uh something that we should be able to get a bit reacquainted pretty pretty quick because he's been around the shop obviously uh, within the team and everything like that and you have that past experience confidence wise you know anytime you hear crew chief change you know yeah it might shake up the team or something like that but uh you know having that confidence that you've seen success do you look at a race like the roval a little bit different knowing that yeah it's a new crew chief but it's not i think um to an extent yeah yeah i think it's uh it it should help us feel like we've been around each other it's been a long time uh but you just hope that you're able to to re 
refire a lot quicker. Um, so yeah, it will be pretty pretty decent. And two, Scott's been at Roush since I've been back, and um, you know we've been able to work together a lot. And, you know, not as directly as uh, as you would on the same team, but you know our stuff has been uh, been very much overlaid. Our, our our teams between Luke and Scott have, uh, and the entire teams have worked really closely together for two years, and um, and have been able to. To, to better each other and, and better our program. And so I think that uh, there won't be a whole lot of overlay here. It should be pretty simple for a lot of reasons. And um, and then, yeah, just, just the fact of having that, that working relationship in the past will just help speed it up and, and feel like that, you know, we're uh, we're all set, that, that we don't have to uh, to work on a, some of the little nuances that you do when you start completely fresh, and especially with only a handful of races right. here to finish out the season. We, we need that, and uh, and we will have that opportunity. So you didn't want it to rain at Talladega. Do you want to race in the rain at the Roval? <laughs> I never want to race in okay. the rain. Um, but are you prepared to? But I, I, I am prepared to race in the rain if we have to. Um, it is a whole different way of running, but it is it can be a lot of fun. Now, yeah. The disclaimer to that is Coda was too much. Yeah. Uh, flat out too much. There's a fine line between fun and, and <laughs> really? miserable, right? The Roval Xfinity race was too much. Yeah, oh, yeah. And oh, yeah. I think that it took... Um, that one was the first... Mm, this might be a little bit overkill. And then we got to Coda. And it's like, all right, yeah, they weren't lying. We we need to do something. So we will race in wet conditions now. Right. We will race in, in light rain. We will not race in downpour again. Um I think at the end of the day, it turned into a safety issue. Yeah. Uh, oh, you know, vision vision is just a must, and there's only so much rain X you can put on a windshield. There's only so quickly a, a wiper can go, and, and really it doesn't matter any of that stuff when 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 the mist or, or well, the Well, that's what I was thinking. It didn't up. seem, at least watching on television, that the wipers <laughs> even made that much of a difference. They really couldn't. And you couldn't yeah. really even see they anything on either. TV either, let that, alone driving exactly. the car on track. <laughs> and that's exactly what we were seeing. And then, you know, our spotters could see what you could see on TV, so they couldn't keep us up to date with where accidents were happening, where where issues were at. It was, it was very difficult, um, a very challenging race. And uh, and again, I don't I don't mind running in wet. I don't think anybody minds running in wet and understands that we have that ability when we go road racing. We just need it to be within reason so that we can still put on a good show. Uh, we can still do a, a, a safe race. Um, and even, you know, like you're saying, if the cameras can't see the race, hmm. then what are you showing? Are you just showing a fog fog race? Yeah. Um, you know, and that's uh, that's not what anybody wants to see, you know, just for the sake of continuing the program. So um, things, lessons have been learned, and, uh, and they've been acknowledged, and I think we have better game plans moving forward. So uh, if we were to get some precipitation, I think we can do so. Uh, we can race in it and, and do a good job. Uh, it's just going to make um, this can be a little bit of a judgment call to make sure it's can safely be done. I was going to say appropriate, but I don't know what's appropriate. It's just to make sure it can safely be done and we can put on a good show. Yeah. Let's say the sun, the weather's beautiful on Sunday. Do you like road course racing? Yeah. I do. Yeah. Yep, I do. Um, so again, it's um, you know, like I said, I I don't hate super speedway racing right. i just like other racing a lot better hey, i get it um, i love short track racing i actually enjoy some of the um some of the mile and a half and, and i know they've gotten a little bit of a bad reputation now i love the worn out ones so i, I love 
I guess it's old Atlanta now. Um, yeah. <laughs> this is probably my favorite mile and a half. Um, I like Fontana. I know it's a little bigger, but it has a ton of character. I know the, the racing there is not as close as we would like it sometimes, but I promise from inside the car, you are working the entire time. Sure. You are trying to find something. Um, and road course racing is, is not my background whatsoever, but I enjoy doing it. I like doing something different. I like to just, just break it up and, and try and uh, try and take something different on our season and go give it a go. And, um, you know, I think the Roval, the idea behind it, is pretty fantastic from a fan standpoint of we're, we're going to take a road, car, road course race and we're going to give a, a fan a 95% view of the entire racetrack. And, and you don't get that. When you go to Watkins Glen, you get to see two, three corners. When you go to Sonoma, there's a very small window that you can see 80% of the track, maybe 75, right? The Roval gives us gives the fans an opportunity to see a race start to finish at a road course. And so I, I, I love that side of it. Uh, on the flip side from, from driver's seat, the, the course is not as 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 finessed as you would like it to be. Um, you know, it's just got some some quirks about it that are a little strange. Some off camber corners, um, probably a little bit tight for our race cars in general. But um, I say that with with this next gen car coming and talking about how good of a road course race or road course car we believe it to be. I think it really could could heighten our, our Roval experience or the Roval show as we look at uh, at next season. Let's look again towards next season since you just mentioned that. Uh, obviously, the new car, next-gen car, is going to be wild to watch the progression of that. But uh, within the walls at Roush Fenway Racing, a, a lot of new things as well with Brad Keselowski coming into the fold as a uh, part owner and also as a teammate of yours. What are your thoughts <laughs> on that uh, happening for 2022? Yeah, it's... Um, I'm a just a little bit confused on what to call him if it's uh if it is a, a teammate if it's a boss right. if it's um you know i'm a little bit all over the map but uh, it is really exciting to have brad coming over i know this is a huge step in uh, in his life to uh to be transitioning into this role and i think he has a ton of excitement coming in he has a uh, really high expectations which you you love to see as a as a driver right you want it to be uh expected to go out there and win races and he's expecting that so that, uh, that gives us a lot of strong momentum as we head through the offseason. Really, it's starting now, but as we, uh, we go through the offseason, he's able to actually come over and start being um, more involved directly. Um, I think it's going to be really good. I was able to, uh, to actually work with Brad a lot at, the, at Talladega pushing and, uh, and had a really good time there. Um, not something we discussed at all, but it uh, just worked out. We ended up lining up and we were able to, uh, to make some ground together. So um, I, I do think it's going to be really solid. Brad is, is very um, detail-oriented and, and is really going to go through everything with a fine-tooth comb. And um, I, I will say that, that Jack is, is a fierce competitor as well, and, and so that's not going away. Um, it's just getting getting compounded with Brad coming over, and I think it's going to present present us with a lot of opportunities with the next gen being a, a pretty big reset. I think that we can we can look at this as a, a really good opportunity for us to go um, you know start fresh and, and really you know take what uh, what we've been trying to do over the last couple of years and, and build Ralph Fenway back up to uh, what it was you know several years ago now. But this is uh, this is an even better opportunity than than the last couple is to, to wipe the slate clean and, and start over here. And I think Brad sees that and, and knows that it's a good opportunity for him to come in and, and really feed his expertise into it and, and try and heighten it to, uh, to the point where we're winning races every week. How well did you know Brad before uh, the announcement that he was coming over? Um, 
pretty decent. You know, I won't say that we were, you know, real tight friends, but um, you typically don't have that at the racetrack anyway, uh, especially with other competitors. But um, with Brad and I being in the same Ford family for a long period of time, uh, I think that's where most of the relationship came from. So we've uh, we've had lots of conversations as we've headed into super speedway races for years. Um, you know, been around each other as uh, as fellow Ford drivers through driver intros and. Uh, in the in the infield of the racetrack, you know, before or after races when we were still in town for three days, um, so I felt pretty confident coming in that I had a pretty good understanding of uh, who he was uh, as a as an individual and as a competitor, and uh, and have really been able to see a lot more of his his drive as he started um, started working his way into uh, into the fold and into the position that he's going to be in as we uh, we start looking at 2022. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. it's flying by here lately. But um, as we look at 2022 and what he's uh, ideas he has and what his expect expectations are and what his game plans are, I think it's going to be um, I think it's going to be really solid. And we're we're all really excited about it. We're going to wrap it up here in just a minute, Chris. And uh, we we see a lot of NASCAR fans out here, and uh, you know obviously there's going to be a lot of them at the racetrack uh, this coming weekend as well. And uh, over the last you know year plus has been a real challenge to be a NASCAR fan because, you know, yes. uh, you know you haven't been able to go to the racetrack. You haven't been able to interact with your race fans as much as I'm sure you would have liked to. Uh, you know, I hate to say the word getting back to normal because we're still a long ways away <laughs> from that. But now that you are able, even a little bit more than you were last year, able to interact with a few more race fans, I mean, do you, uh, you know, just what are your thoughts on being able to get back with the race fans a little bit more, have them cheer and see the 17 stuff in the grandstands again uh, I'm sure that was a big part of the puzzle that you missed last year. Absolutely. So, I, I will say that it's been uh, it's been really nice to get back this season. And um, you know, last season kind of trickled in towards the end, but it really wasn't in the, in the same capacity that you really get used to. It didn't have the same energy without the numbers behind it. And um, I, I will say that when we went back last year, Darlington, the first race weekend, and we pulled in the track, and, and there was. There's a state trooper on each side of the racetrack off the interstate or off that, that little highway that comes through. And uh, that was the only security. You drove into a completely silent facility. There was no people. There were no campers. There was no PA system running. It yeah. was quiet. It was it was like a ghost town. Like, it was out of a movie. And it was it was the one that really hit you like, this is, this is not right. Like, I'm appreciative that we were able to go back racing and, and us as a sport have that capability. Um, but this is not right. Mm -hmm. It's not what we want to be doing. We missed it when, um, when we went to the cars. You know, something as simple as, as drivers to cars after a rain delay. Uh, I remember, I don't, know, I don't know what track it was, but I remember the first time that we had one of those and there were fans in the stands and you knew from the hauler in the infield that that announcement had been made because the cheers came up yeah. uh, after a, a weather incident. That was, that was one of the ones that sent chills. You know, it, it's just neat to have that that energy back and that excitement and it's honestly it's what makes our sport work is having our fans at the racetrack and being able to to have that interaction so it's um it's not normal yet by any means but um but it is really cool to be able to be heading that direction and uh, and getting much closer um uh, talladega man sunday's crowd was fantastic and i'm so disappointed that uh it, it not disappointed anybody but I'm, I'm just disappointed that we weren't able to to put on the show for everybody that did show up because it was a, an awesome crowd there and um i know it's just hard for everybody to stay over to a monday especially with a radar that looked as bad as it did for yeah. monday yep. and yeah. tuesday and wednesday as well um 
So it is. It's uh, you know, we really appreciate the ones that did stick around, uh, but understand uh, of everybody's situation how hard that can be. Uh, but yeah, it's just it's nice to be getting closer, and, and we're still kind of on lockdown at the track. Right. Uh, you know, I I know we're starting to get to the point where we can go back and do some stage interviews and some fan zones. Um, you know, they still put barriers so that we're not allowed to actually have the direct interaction with, with fans. And I know um, from a fan's perspective that they don't understand why. And uh, and frankly, there, there's times where we, we don't either. But it's um, it's tough tough timing. But we're we're getting closer, and uh, and it is just awesome to be able to to have them back at the track in the garages, which um, has just recently become a thing. And uh, and then seeing the packed grandstand, it's it's great to to be getting closer. And I'm definitely looking forward to, to being all the way back to 100. percent Yeah, we are too, and we're so glad you're here today. I mean, this is the first event that we've been able to do with our RCC members in almost two years. Wow. So we're so happy that y'all are here with (laughs) us today. Absolutely. Um, We're so glad to see people. I mean, we've been (laughs) in our offices, you know, just we're all our friends. Right, right. So thank you for coming out. No, absolutely. And that's what when you asked me if I'd I'd been in here and I had to think because I haven't been. I haven't been here in, in two years. Nobody's into been the, anywhere. The mall. That's right. Everybody's <laughs> been gone. So uh, it is so nice to be able to uh, to start having some more functions and, and to yeah. see people. And um, you know, happy that we'll be able to uh, to sign sign some stuff here before yeah. uh, before we roll out. And uh, and great to see uh, an awesome crowd in here in uh, in the store. And, um, and hopefully everybody can make it out to uh, to the Roval and yep. uh, and watch that one. Like I said, a, a pretty awesome road course as a fan to be able to watch. So definitely, lots of uh, lots of cool stuff coming for uh, for us through the end of the year, and uh, you know, just happy to see it. All right, race fans here at the Lionel store. Who's going to the Roval race this weekend? Let me hear you. There we go. That's the majority. I like it. That's good. Well, uh, Chris, we really appreciate you being here. We appreciate everybody at Roush Fenway Racing helping uh, hook this up. And a lot of great things on the horizon for you and your race team. We're excited to see it at Lionel Racing. And uh, uh, good luck this weekend. Good luck these last handful of races. And uh, hope to see that 17 in victory lane here soon. Yeah, us too. We uh, appreciate you having me over here. And uh, like I said, we'll uh, we'll keep digging. We'll keep putting on a show. And um, the best best situation will be a victory lane picture here. So uh, looking forward to it. Race win diecast, right? Exactly. <laughs> that's what I'm thinking. Now, now here, here's the deal, Chris. That, that's the one promise you have to make us. If you, if and when you do win a race, I'm not going to say when, or, or if, when you win a race, okay, when you win your next your next race, tear the car up a little bit for us, okay? Make sure you burn the tires down, put a dent in the fender, whatever you got to do, because we want the those race win. Those are more fun. The huh? race win diecast, we want it to look badass. So make it, make that happen Excellent. for us, all right? I'm yes. on it. All right, yeah. good We'll make deal. sure to get it correct and look awesome. Perfect. Yes, I'll, I'll promise that one. Good deal. Uh, you heard it here first on the Authenticated Podcast. Chris Busher will make a, a badass looking race win diecast for us. Well, we appreciate that, uh, for you joining us here this uh, this afternoon, and uh, enjoy spending some time with the race fans here at the Lionel store. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Good deal. That's it for uh, this segment of Authenticated. Stick around for more. As we do every week on Authenticated, we want to wrap up our show giving our last lap highlight of the week. Whatever we thought was uh, the good uh, of what just happened on the racetrack or around the racetrack or within our building here at Lionel Racing. And uh, who should I start with? I'll start with you, Alex. So what was your last lap highlight of the week that was in NASCAR and Diecast? Bubba Wallace in the makeshift victory lane with his dog. Those photos are so cute. Asher was the star. Yes, uh, Asher. And they put the hat on Asher and he's holding him and he's just got a big 
they a actually smile on his face. talked about that on the Today Show. Oh, did they? Yeah, so Bubba was on the Today Show in the third hour. I saw it on Twitter with um, Al Roker and those guys, and they made a big deal out of him having Asher, and they showed the pictures of it, so, you know. And Amanda, his fiance, took a picture of uh, the golf cart, and Asher sitting in the front, smiling at the camera, and the trophies on the back, so it's, you know, I loved it. And when, when you just said that, Michelle, that is something that, you know, we didn't talk about earlier, is, uh, you know, all of the feedback from the news and sports, you know, social media and sports, you know, news in general, you know, we don't necessarily see more than just on the bottom line crawl on ESPN who won the NASCAR race. This was a big deal. Totally. Bubba Wallace, you know, you've seen a lot of stuff and not every cup winner ends up on the Today Show. No, they don't. I mean, I was listening to NPR, this NPR this morning, and they're talking about Bubba Wallace winning the race. I'm like, when does NPR ever talk about NASCAR? Right. <laughs> Never. So Ace and TJ talked about him too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that just kind of shows that this win is bigger than NASCAR, right? It really it, is. It, it's a human interest story. It is a societal story. It yeah. is a, you know, a bigger, you know, like I, I, we talked about earlier, the stick and ball sports, you know, you think NFL's going on, baseball playoffs start, you know, NASCAR in, in the sports world doesn't necessarily, you know, might take a little bit of a backseat to some of the, you know, the playoff races in the NFL and everything takes a backseat almost to the NFL sometimes. But this story trumped a lot of, you know, stick and ball sport. And quickly, stuff. it right. was on um, the NBC Nightly News last night with Lester Holt. And that was not too long after the race ended. Right. So um, it's exciting to see that. And almost the rain moving it to Monday was the best for that mm-hmm. to happen because you're not That's going true. up against football. Right. There's only one Monday night football game. There were no baseball games. Right. The playoffs don't start until Tuesday. So, you know, the sports world was focused on Talladega. Yeah. And it got a lot of play. So it's exciting to see. And it's a feel-good story. Something we need every once in a while. Right. Yeah. Kind of jazz you back up, right? Right. Uh, Put a smile on your face. Right. Absolutely. So uh, uh, very good call there uh, with Asher. And uh, before anybody asks, no, we are not replicating Asher in any (laughs) die-cast way or anything like that. Unless he decides to put a picture of Asher on one of his cars uh, in the future. I think we can talk. I think he did. Did he? Yeah. Oh, it was like a pet smart car. Or was it Bubba? Yeah, I don't, I don't remember I think, that. I think for licensing reasons, we couldn't do it or yeah. something like then that. Then I take back my statement. Well, <laughs> let's put it this way. Maybe if DoorDash or one of the other sponsors decides they want to do it, then maybe we can make that happen. But uh, and no, there's with the Bubba Wallace car, there will not be a car cover that comes with it or anything no, like that. Like be. people have, have asked, uh, uh, we're going to get you a die cast. We're going to get you the winner sticker like we normally do. And uh, the cars are going to look badass. That's that's uh, that's their selling point right there. They tell a good story and they're going to look really cool on your shelf. So uh, back over to you, Michelle. What was your last lap highlight of the week that was? So my last lap highlight of this week was in the office and it came through email which i know sounds absolutely thrilling to everybody listening exciting we got our first 2022 rendering from a race team for a cup series car so we can't say who it was from we can't say what Car uh, is. You, I, you know, built I, know, me I know i know i know i know i know me down i know but it is one of the um most best-selling drivers that we have and it is a fan favorite, and we're waiting to find out when it is not confidential and we can put it on the sales sheet and so show everybody. So it was cool for us to all see where the new number placement is and how that makes the paint schemes look. And it's very different, I have to say. The sponsor logos are in different places. Um, it does change the look of the car. It's kind of cool. I mean, it, it looks so different. So 
Also, the new body style of the car mm-hmm. was interesting to see how the paint scheme, you know, wrapped around all that. So very exciting stuff for us. Um, and we will share it with you when we are permitted to do so. Hang tight, folks. It, it, it will come sooner rather than later. I can promise you that you will be seeing the heck. I haven't even seen it yet. So I'm, I'm excited to see what it is and who it is. I'm going to start, you know, trying to pressure. As soon as we hit the, you know, turn it off, I'm going to try to get Michelle, you know, to tell me, let me in on the secret of who this car and driver is. But uh, hashtag confidential. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. I mean. Maybe it's not meant for my little delicate little ears, but um, so uh, I will. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what uh, you know what one of these 2022 next gen car diecast cars looks like in decorated form. You know, we, we showed off what the uh, uh, first shots looked like a couple weeks ago. Um, a lot of positive feedback with those cars as well, and I think they're only going to look cooler once they're decoed and, and painted and, and look like what you're going to have on your shelf here pretty soon. Uh, it's going to be really cool to see my last lap highlight. I'll try to keep it a little quick. Um, my buddy, Tyler Young, going to victory lane with his Young's Motorsports team in the Camping World Truck Series with Tate Fogelman driving that number 12 truck. And uh, uh, Tyler was a guy who uh, grew up in Texas. You know, his mom and dad have their own successful uh, uh, outdoor outbuilding company. Um Uh, in texas and sent tyler to north carolina to make himself a a race car driver ran the ran some late models ran some pro cup stuff and then ran the truck series all for himself has a nice little shop in mooresville north carolina um but kind of saw that the uh, business needed to have him um take a step back get out of the seat put some other drivers in in the seat uh, and it's paid off for him to go to victory lane at talladega super speedway two out of the last three years with spencer boyd winning back in 2019 and now tate fogelman taking a young's motorsports truck to victory lane uh, at talladega once again and uh uh, the Spencer Boyd truck is displayed proudly on my desk because uh, I've known Tyler and Spencer for a long time. And now I'm going to add that Tate Fogelman car, too, because I remember watching his dad, Jay, run late model races around the North- Piedmont in North Carolina a long, long time ago. So uh, looking forward to adding a second Young's Motorsports truck to my diecast collection as well. And uh, I think we're going to have some more cool race win diecast to come out of the Charlotte Roval weekend. Uh, you know, last week, last year. It was pretty memorable, certainly that Saturday Xfinity Series race with the weather. And uh, I don't know if anything will ever top the excitement uh, of that Xfinity Series race. But uh, what are your thoughts between Xfinity and the Cup Series going to the Charlotte Roval? All I can ask for is rain. This is the only time you actually pray for rain at a racetrack because it makes the racing a heck of a lot more exciting. Because I was there for that Saturday race last year in the dark, pouring down rain. It was cold, but it was definitely worth it to see the finish that we did. And I think there is rain in the forecast for Saturday, at least, for the Xfinity Series rain. So you make it your wish. Maybe. Yeah, Noah Gregson did well in the rain, and he was driving our Lionel Racing car last year. We couldn't have asked for a better scenario. We had one shot to put our name on a car in 2020, (laughs) and uh, we said, all right, let's do the Charlotte Roval. Maybe we can do some stuff around it. You know, we can go to the track and take pictures and do all kinds of cool stuff, and then that dumb COVID stuff happened. Yeah, we couldn't the do COVID any of that. stuff happened, which wasn't great, but, you know, Noah was great, and he did some online tailgating with us, right. and we managed that the best we could, and he did everything we asked him as far as that goes. So, you know, we're a fan of Noah uh, for that reason, for sure, but he did run well in the rain, and uh, it's fun to watch all those guys run in the rain at the Roval, and that makes it definitely more exciting. He it's- was 
definitely the star of the show last year in the Xfinity Series race and uh, definitely got Lionel Racing in a lot of good coverage. The guy yes, came back to the front and back to the front and into, <laughs> into the ditch and into the gullies and into everything there possible. There was and even she, almost an altercation after the race. Right. And, yeah. I, it, it, it was fun to watch. You <laughs> yep. know, we had to do it from our, our couches, but it was a lot of fun to watch. But uh, And the Cup Series with all of the uh, playoff implications, uh, you know, it's a cutoff race. So if weather is involved, there's, there's any number of things that can happen there. Even just trying to strategize and we could talk for hours about the different scenarios of what can happen but even on a road course even if the sun's out there's so many different variables of what could happen just like the first year everybody just ran off the track and ran into each other right yeah that could happen again it could who won that race alex Oh, I think it was Ryan Blaney. <laughs> Alex is a big, we, we, we've given uh, Alex uh, a hard time about her fandom for AJ Allmendinger, but uh, she's also a bit of a Ryan Blaney fan as well. So uh, no. yeah, that, that Monday after that race, uh, Alex was on cloud nine for sure with Ryan, young Ryan Blaney, YRB, YRB? going to victory lane in the first Charlotte Roval race. But uh, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. You know, uh, NBC is going to have their hands full trying to go through all the, you know, twists and turns on the racetrack figuratively and literally. Um, but uh, with all the playoff scenarios, it's going to be a, uh, it's going to be a wild weekend. Uh, anybody going to the race? Cause since it's here in Charlotte, I am you going to all both races. I am. And guess who's running in both of them? A.J. Allmendinger. <laughs> Go figure. Yeah. But, but, I mean, it's a road course race. You should be running them. Uh, if, if I was a team owner, even if he yeah. didn't have a deal, I'd put him in a car on a road course. Um, it, it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm going to be watching it on my back deck because I'm only about five miles from the yep. speedway here. So I'll be able to have the TV on the back deck and uh, sitting on the couch and listening to the engines and uh, uh, watching a lot of fun uh, racing action at the Charlotte Roval. So again, uh, we appreciate you listening to Authenticated. Uh, make sure you subscribe if you just happen, happen to stumble upon the show some way or another. Make sure you subscribe so you get notifications of whenever this show goes live. And we want to hear again from you. We want you to be a part of Authenticated in future episodes. Hit us up on social media, media using hashtag AuthenticatedFan. Let us know what you like about the show, what you don't like about the show. Maybe you have a favorite diecast that you think maybe you don't know the backstory to that maybe we can find the backstory for you. Um, maybe you're a longtime collector. Uh, when we talked to Chris Busher earlier, we were celebrating the 30th anniversary of the Racing Collectibles Club of America, RCCA. Maybe you've been a member of RCCA for 30 years or pretty darn close to it. We want to hear from you. Hit us up. Use hashtag authenticated fan so that we can interact with you, include your thoughts maybe include you maybe we'll have you as a guest on the show in future episodes of authenticated we've got more drivers we've got crew chiefs we got spotters we've got uh, licensing folks we've got front office people from all these race teams uh, on deck ready to talk to you the diecast collector fan and uh, we're going to have a lot of fun in future episodes of authenticated uh all right let me do real quick cup series pick to win charlotte roval alex realistically or you know I mean, Chase Elliott, uh, absolutely. AJ's my dark horse, though. We'll just go with that. Fair. Michelle? I'll say Ryan Blaney. Interesting. I'm going to go. We talked earlier about somebody's got to win to get in. William Byron. I think he's going to get the job done at the Charlotte Roval. Ah, I, I'm, good... I'm throwing it out there. Anything can happen. Anything can happen. So we'll see what happens. We hope you enjoy the racing at action at the Charlotte Roval, and we will talk to you next time on Authenticated. Follow Lionel Racing on Twitter at Lionel underscore racing. On Instagram at Lionel underscore racing. And be sure to like Lionel Racing on Facebook.
Eric Estep here. This episode is brought to you by Forney Industries. Get it done with green. Forney offers a full line of welding and plasma cutting machines, metalworking accessories, and more. For do-it-yourselfers all the way to professional metalworkers, Forney has everything you need for your next project. Shop Forney's top-of-the-line products at forneyind.com. That's Forney, F-O-R-N-E-Y, ind, I-N-D.com, or at an authorized Forney dealer near you.